this video, this is Recorded for Quality Assurance, an interview series where we talk to the world's leading CX experts about industry trends, CX technology, and simplifying the process of delivering great customer service. Welcome to the pod, Steve. Do I have your permission to record this call for quality assurance? Absolutely. Excellent. So to start out with today, Steve, can you give our readers and our listeners some insight into your background, where you started, and how you got to where you are today? Sure. And first of all, thanks for having me. Um, really uh, looking forward to this. Um, wow. I, uh, you know, I've been in the, the contact center consulting space for almost my entire career, uh, which is now, I hate to say it, about 30 years. Um, and, um, I got it, I had an interesting start. I, I started actually by, um, starting up a couple of consulting, uh, practices for two major BPOs, uh, which would be Cytel and Convergys and, um, you know, learn quite a bit. And, and in both those roles, uh, we would do major transformations for prospective clients, as well as some global clients on their end. Um, before we started developing outsource, additional outsourcing strategies. And um, the uh, uh, you know, BPOs and their clients are so much more successful if clients rectify their, their operational deficiencies before migrating to BPO versus transferring it over to you know, expect the, the BPO to fix it. Um, that was one of the, the you know, great things that I picked up uh, during my journey. And, um, you know, I was um, somewhat of a double agent in that I was, I was working really for both the client of a BP of a Cytel or Convergys, as well as for them. And uh, it allowed me to gain a lot of insights into both, uh, both their issues. And um, through those efforts, I, I quickly learned about that people and process go first before technology. Um, and we can talk about that more later, but um, it, you, generally you find that clients rush into buying new shiny hot technology first to fix their problems solely to find out later on that they were only realizing about 20, 20 25% of the benefits that were promised. Um, and, uh, uh, if if one identifies the problem, then design the people and process first and rectify the issues, then bring in the correct technology, they're so much more successful. Um, in regards to, uh, to te technology, and I find that um, many uh, customers um, do not benefit, do not maximize the benefits of technology because it's not truly trained on on that uh, well enough and uh, end up not maximizing those be benefits. So I, I, it's a long-winded answer to say that, you know, I, a lot of lessons learned along the way that actually gave me great direction in starting up my, my own uh, consulting and managed services company, uh, which I did uh, post uh, Convergys. And um, it also lessons learned there really truly allowed us to differentiate ourselves from other consulting companies. That's an amazing journey. And it's also amazing to have the experience to be both on the client side and on the provider side as well. So it's very unique. 
Yeah. Can you share a little more about your day-to-day role and responsibilities as the managing partner of um, SK Weston and company? Sure. I, I you know, I, I, in addition to managing a lot of the day-to-day finances and, uh, 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 you know, other financial areas of the company. I spend most of my time on relationships, building our contact pool, leading them to potential business. You know, I, being that I've been in the business for as long as I have, I have quite a lo- large following and it's really keeping up those relationships and turning them, those, those relationships into additional business. Um, and then once they are are actually uh, addition, uh, once we add additional business for them, it's actually managing those relationships, uh, ensuring our team is meeting and exceeding their expectation, ensure that we are delivering value is the most important uh, piece. Um, but I have to say, Helly, really my. I truly believe my success is due to the people who are around me and we have an amazing uh, leadership team. And I just want to call out um, our VP of operations and managed services at Kevin Lasky, who we uh, pulled him from Google about uh, two and a half, three years ago. And he runs our day-to-day operations, which includes managing ongoing consulting projects and, managing our partner program, both technology and and BPO partners. And he does an amazing job in all aspects, so organized, really analytical, and the clients think the world of him. I just bring that up because um, I couldn't do what I'm doing now in terms of my responsibility without without him. That's amazing. My mom always used to say, if you want to be an A, stick with A's. So when you surround yourself with good people, they make it better. You consult many BPO organizations. Where do you think BPOs are kind of missing the mark nowadays? Um, there, there, there are a couple areas. Um, I would say that um, you know BPOs today um, are still uh, many of them are still stuck in the past and what i mean by that is they're um, they're more of a transactional business and uh, clients today want value out of their BPO they want a true partner and not one who's just cuz there are others who just kind of give lip service and say yeah i'm going to i'm going to be a true partner but go right back to just being a transactional uh, type of um, uh, company. Um, clients want, you know, they're looking for BPOs to tell them about their business, tell them about how to improve the overall customer experience, um, using their knowledge from uh, other similar companies in that industry and pulling from that to, to talk to the client how, how they uh, best can uh, improve themselves. Um, and then the other major piece, which really has surfaced um, post-COVID, and that is they also want their BPO partner to be the kind of the technology partner. Um, and what I mean by that is that BPOs have AI, they have bots, they uh, do advanced analytics. Um, 
clients today uh, don't necessarily want to invest in that technology because mostly it's, it's getting the experts to manage it and manage it correctly. And they're turning to their BPOs to provide that kind of service. And I have to say that, um, you know, post pandemic, when so much went to work at home, which required sophisticated uh, technology as well, this all surfaced. And if BPOs want to survive, they need to turn to this type of model um, and get, get themselves out of the, uh, of the past. That's excellent advice. And I think when we kind of put all our eggs in one basket, when we rely on one organization to provide that type of insight, it's not always the best idea. So you kind of skimmed over that. What is your advice to enterprise leaders looking to choose a BPO to work with regarding handling their uh, customer service department? Is it how they're structured, where they're located? And like you had said, is it the technology that they use? It's actually all, all the above. Um, and uh, why I say that is do they in a, you know, really piggyback in on what I just said about the technology and, um, and the partnership? Um, does a BP organizational structure ha- have that have have the right organization structure that can support a client's requirements to tell them about their customers and provide a deep, deep analytics around their customer, how to improve the customer interactions, all of this um, through analytics, but you've got to have the right organizational structure to support it. Um, location speaks for itself. Yes. Um, you know, you, you want, um, um, you want to be able to determine, do you need to be onshore? Do you, is it better to go near shore? Um, do I go offshore? If I've never, never um, outsourced before, what are the steps I need to take? And we always tend to get them to crawl before they, uh, before they walk. And that is starting on near shore and then going to eventually going to offshore as well. Um, and then lastly, obviously is yes. Um, they want to ask and determine that, that BPO has the right technology um, suite, uh, which I just went through. That's going to that's going to support their business and provide the added value to their business. I think that's such a such great advice to have them walk before they or crawl before they walk in regards to trying it out with some nearshoring. And then if that works, then go to offshore, which can often be um, a more cost-effective option. Yeah. If I can just add to that, we had a client early on in my, um, in our, our business, fairly large uh, fortune 100 company. And they had never outsourced and they, when we got there, they had plans to move everything to an offshore location. Um, And after we got done and did our transformation and built an outsourcing strategy, they, their, their COO told us they, he, we, he could not thank us enough for, you know, stopping him from making the biggest mistake he would have made in his career. Um, and that, you know, advising them crawl again, let's go near shore. Let's try this out. You need to, you know, you need to get comfortable with an outsourcing relationship. The outsourcing needs to get comfortable with you. And then we start, um, you know, migrating slowly to an offshore environment. And, and he said, 
um, I would have made the biggest mistake if you guys hadn't come along and gave me that advice. Amazing. And then such great advice too. Yeah. So if in kind of that same vein, if you could come into an organization that had no contact center and build one from scratch, where would you begin? And from there, what would be the steps to ensure the contact center could deliver excellent customer service? I know that's long-winded, but. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good question. Um, and we have, we have built contact centers from scratch. And when we do, we, we really kind of go three, through three main areas um, and, uh, and, and in this order. The first one may, may surprise some is, is what exactly is their customer experience strategy? Um, this is so important because in many cases, the corporate leadership has one CX strategy and the operation ends up with a different strategy. And then obviously they clash. So down the road, all of a sudden you're finding you're delivering, uh, you know, you're delivering poor, you're getting poor customer uh, scores and uh, feedback um, because those, that strategy, that CX strategy never synced up. So we, we advise them to start in, in developing that CX strategy and we help them through it at the corporate level, then that's utilizing in the operation. So we're, we're supporting what their goals are. Um, and this is why a majority of our contacts, um, um, the majority of our contacts at our clients' uh, sites all own uh, CX strategy uh, because we want to avoid that. So that's, that's item number one. Um, then once you have that nailed down, then we go to the obvious. We begin with uh, really determining the, the right people that we need, the right organization structure, the, really the whole human performance piece of hiring, uh, training, uh, coaching, um, and, um, and that profile for each of those and the profiles for the uh, CSRs themselves. And then behind that is really developing the right processes to support that strategy. Um, and uh, that, that really complements that strategy. Once all that's done, the third piece is the technology stack. Um, what technology does, a, to, does that call center need to support that people and process uh, design uh, operating model that we had just designed. Um, and that's, you know, everything from the obvious, uh, the standard, um, and we, we believe really strongly in cloud technology today uh, because it makes it so much easier to move calls from site to site or from uh, site to an, uh, a BPO as well. Um, so doing that, that and then weeding also into the interactive guidance scripting tools um, that's really going to direct a CSR through um, through a call, um, especially you know, especially you're going to have so many new CSRs. You you, you want to minimize the the impact of potential mistakes. You want to influence the time to proficiency, uh, time to train. And there's nothing better than that kind of um, that kind of technology tool. In addition to your standard and obviously a CRM to support that. 
Great. So we just talked about what we would do if we came into an organization that was building something right off the ground from scratch. And so this is a little bit of a repetitive question, but when you go into an already existing contact center that is struggling with performance, what are the easy issues to spot right off the bat? What are the red flags that you can just see right away and are kind of the easiest things to fix right away? Yeah. Um, so, and that's a good question because we always always try to pick the quick wins out um, as we're doing an assessment. But um, before we even step foot in the site, there, there are things that we can do that would have a, a rapid uh, effect. And that is pulling all the data that the, that the center has um, from general ACD data to, uh, again, QA, analytics, workforce management, um, and, and, and QA um, are, are obvious, obvious reports to pull. And the reason why we do that is because what we tend to see is um, in, a, in a center that's not performing, one of the first things we see through those reports is very uneven service levels throughout the day. And much of that can be traced right back to workforce management and how they are forecasting and building schedules to support that forecast. Um, and um, I can say nine times out of 10, this is probably the first area that we, we find where the, you can make some quick adjustments to start leveling out that's, that, fork, that, uh, that uneven service level. Um, you know, what happens is many of the workforce management directors can't seem to master how best to use their workforce management system. And so they go back to what's comfortable to them. They go back to Excel spreadsheets and you've got this great system sitting there idle and we're doing spreadsheets for, you know, for a thousand uh, agents. Um, and you're bound to make mistakes about that. Um, you know, it goes back to my original statement, which is in many cases, centers have the right technology, but they've, they've just have not optimized it to the fullest because they don't understand how, how best to use that technology. Um, you know, those, those are some of the quick wins that, that we find. Um, and um, a lot of uh, the other area is, is in the QA data, which is in a lot of the analytics data. Um, we can find fairly quickly trends of areas where, <clears throat> where um, mistakes are being made um, on calls. Um, where the uh, they're not delivering really service uh, to that a customer expects, um, we can find that very quickly uh, going through a lot of the uh, QA and analytical data itself, and um, can start to make changes fairly quickly by providing our findings and and that and remember we haven't even gone on site we're just reviewing data at that point. Um, but we'll be, we would then immediately get in touch with both not only the team leads, but the training department on areas where we find that, you know, especially in training that they should go back and revisit to try to stop a lot of these issues uh, from occurring going forward. Um, and it can be done fairly quickly. Um, and, and um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of this, um, a lot of this then data would give us give us a good insight as to where we should spend our time once we get on the floor and, and observing a uh, 
an operation itself. That's great step-by-step advice. So we, you've talked a lot during our, the podcast so far about technologies that are perhaps sitting there and not being utilized or some of the technologies that we uh, should be using. In your, opi- your opinion, what are the technologies that are currently seen as staples in the tech stack of a contact center that should probably be eliminated? Yeah, I, I, I guess I go back to the, the one area that really sticks out in me is, is the QA area um, because there are so many automated uh, scoring and automated uh, analytics tools that uh, really probably eliminate about 80% of what a QA department needs to do. Um, and yet I see so many, so many call centers sticking with the old, old general recordings and I'm listening to, um, you know, um, a, a large slew of, of calls and having to score it manually. Um, there are so many tools today that, that, that automate a lot of that function. It doesn't mean the, the, the QA department goes away. It just means you're able to utilize them for other functions like analyzing a lot of the analytical data and uh, then providing a um, actionable steps for a team lead to go through with that agent. Uh, that, that is truly what, probably the biggest area that comes to mind, um, Haley, um, that, I, that I could see. I think that's an interesting point because I think it's a good way to explain automation in general, that it's not going to be taking away jobs. I think that oftentimes is the fear that people have about AI and automation, that it's going to be taking away jobs, but really it's making it that it's freeing up time for individuals to focus on um, other, maybe more valuable tasks that could be more beneficial to the business. So I think that's a great point. So we're going to move, we're going to move into something that I'm really excited about. So you speak regularly on about CX blockchain. Can you delve into how blockchain can be used for contact centers? Absolutely. Um, and I know this is a puzzlement to a lot of people. We bring it up and, and I believe we're one of the first to do what we're, what we're doing. Um, as you're probably aware, most companies, especially when financial services and healthcare utilize blockchain for, um, for security purposes. But no one's actually thought about the fact that you can take blockchain and have a major effect on, on customer experience. Um, and um, how, you know, how is that done? Um, what, what we do is actually use blockchain to pull all the clients, the customers actually of our clients, information from multiple system and put it into one screen and in a secure cloud. Um, as you, especially financial services and healthcare, you're probably aware that they work off of a multitude of systems when they're servicing a customer. Um, and um, a lot of this is due to, due to acquisitions and not integrating systems and just leaving the way that then you, you've got an agent there sitting there trying to go in five or six different systems. Number two, that also affects how what your capture rate is on self-service channels 
whether it be uh, web or uh, you know IVR uh, to service that customer on the more sophisticated questions because of the number of systems a again even a, a self-service channel would have to go through. So what we do is um, again is pull their information um, from the multiple systems and pull it all into one one location in a secure cloud. And as an example, this allows a customer who's on a self-service application to actually solve their issue. Why? Because um, because of the way that we're utilizing blockchain, all everything that, that is needed for that customer is in one location. It allows a self-service channel like it does an agent um, to actually use that information to resolve a sophisticated problem of that customer. Uh, without having to go into you know the multiple systems uh, or reach out to a supervisor or transfer to a CSR, it really puts what it does is it puts the CSR and the customer in control. I hope that's that that that's clear. I know it's a it's I threw out a lot on that question. It is, and I think it's an, it's just such an interesting topic that again when it came across my desk, I thought, oh, I've never even, I don't even know what that looks like. And so I was really looking forward to the, to the discussion. I think you did a great job of explaining it. So we're going to move into the last part and usually my favorite part of the podcast. Um, so I just wanted to ask you, what are some resources, podcasts, publications, blogs, do you regularly reference to stay on top of industry trends and news? Um, you actually seem like you're one yourself, so we, we can include you. <laughs> well, I pre- I appreciate that, but you you never you know you you, you always got to keep uh, keep researching and keep keep tabs on what's going on in the marketplace. You know there there are really two two resources which have to do with uh, blogs and podcasts. Uh, one is Mark Hillary, um, who does a tremendous job and has such informative guests on his podcast um, in our industry. And it, it, I tell you, I learned quite a bit about, um, about different service methodologies, about uh, work at home strategies, about te- the technology that's changing in the industry. Um, he really is in the forefront of, of getting ahead of, of changes that may be coming, um, bringing people on to explain it. Um, and uh, the other, the other you know, podcast I listened to, which is now a partner of Mark's, is, is, is Peter Ryan, who has such amazing uh, tabs on the industry, especially as it relates to BPOs around the globe. Um, you know, I travel, travel just about to every continent, and all you have to do is mention his name, and people know him, and they, they go on and on about... Uh, about you know how you know, how he's just a real pioneer in our industry, and um, I again learn quite a bit from from his research um, and his blogs and podcasts as well. Those are two excellent ones. I'm always so amazed at Mark's ability to post extremely regularly on LinkedIn, and he's always the first one to get a piece of information out. He's a great person, I think to follow 
you instead of having to weed through news yourself, Mark Hillary does it for you. He always has got the greatest piece of new news out there on his LinkedIn. And then I think Peter's a great person to go to, just as you said, pretty much every continent that does any type of outsourcing knows Peter Ryan, but he also is such a great example of a leader that knows what is the best place if you're looking to outsource for your industry, but also what are new places and locations to utilize for offshoring. So I think those are two excellent examples. Yeah, yeah I, I dig in quite a bit into his research uh, papers um, uh, all the time just to stay on top of, of where, the, where the new locations or the better locations are. Yeah, I always like when he sends those our way and always feel very thankful to get them. Yeah. Uh, so we're going we're gonna, to um, end our podcast today with one last question. What career or practical advice do you have for people looking to grow their skills and impact the technology used in contact center management today? Yeah, that's a great, great question. And the, and the first thing I would say is stay engaged with the marketplace. There are so many uh, new technologies that are coming out um, on a daily basis. Um, and there are constant changes to existing technology. Um, and if you really want to grow um, and, um, and have an impact on um, and the technology, you know, using contact center management, that is the best thing to do. I, uh, myself, you know, I, um, I'm con- we're, we're constantly doing market research, especially as it, um, um, as it relates to technology. And um, many of those research, you know, research we do around blogs, podcasts, demos, um, to broaden. So when you see things coming across LinkedIn, as I do, of uh, kind of a new go-to-market uh, piece of technology, um, I jump on the, on the um, ability to just go and get a demo or listen to, uh, to one of their, their podcasts to learn. Um, it's a change, constantly changing environment. Um, more and more automation coming out. Um, but if you, you know, just stay engaged with the marketplace and, and that'll be your best, best advice I can give you in terms of uh, really being a, tr- a true impact on your, your call center um, and uh, the way it's run and the way technology is utilized. I think that's excellent advice. It's always Uh, The people that I see most successful in our industry and really all around in life are the ones that keep learning and uh, keep hungry. So with that, thank you so much for being on the This has been recorded for Quality Assurance. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And to learn more about Vistio, visit vistio.io.